0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Silk and Steel Podcast. Today, we will continue our coverage of the Hong Kong protest, which has been occupying the headlines for past several months. We will switch the format again. I have invited back to the show Mr. Sun Feiyang, who had previously agreed to graciously be the host of the show during our uh, Men series. You know, many people have told me he did a great job. So welcome back, uh, Mr. Sun.
1: Thanks for having me back, Carl. Uh,
0: Can you just give uh, our audience a brief introduction about who you are and, uh, you know, what you do? Sure. So, um,
1: you know, I uh, actually just started out as a, a big fan of Carl's podcast on, on Facebook and enjoy seeing his posts on, on Twitter as well. And um, basically, uh, you know, I just uh, really into you know, news about Asia and China and Chinese history. So I post a lot about that. Um, you know, Carl comes in comments on my posts sometimes. Really happy to see that. And that's just kind of spiraled deeper and deeper into me being on Carl's podcast. So, um I was born in China, mostly grew up in the U.S., um, uh, but, uh, you know, have always been going back to China pretty often. and definitely feel like I still have a pretty strong connection to the place and definitely strong into it.
0: And you do run um, a Facebook group, right? I, I do run a Facebook page
1: with a couple of other people. It's called Chairperson She please delete this account. Um, you know, definitely check that out if you're interested in some um, memes and, and posts about not just China, but also just, um, you know, various events going on in the world.
0: If people should really check it out. It's hilarious. I mean, I, I, get, I get a great kick out of it. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over the host chair to you, uh, Mr. Swen, later you were on the show. All right.
1: Sounds good. So where I wanted to start off was, was just to have you give us a very quick overview of where we're at uh, in the protest, like a very brief timeline. We know it started with the extradition bill that the Carrie Lam government pulled forth. Now, that's been pulled now um, after, you know, some massive protests against that. But, you know, the protests are still ongoing. There seems to be an escalation in in some of the tactics and also like the violence uh, that we've seen in Hong Kong. So, you know, if you could give us a brief overview of like where we're at right now.
0: The violence really deteriorated over the last couple of days, um, especially at the Hong Kong International Airport. Uh, I have never expected for things to deteriorate deteriorate so fast because I was in Hong Kong in the beginning of July. Um, This was already after uh, the protester had stormed the Hong Kong legislature. And uh, the the time I was there, I was there on July 4th. Um, I had a seven-hour layover in Hong Kong, so I took the opportunity to sneak out the airport and uh, sightseeing in the city. During that time, uh, in most tourist areas, you see no sign of protest. Like you would not know about there was there's a big protest movement going on. If you're just a tourist coming to Hong Kong, just doing your tourist site thing, um, so at that, I remember distinctively. Uh, Because my cousin from mainland, she had a plan to travel to Hong Kong in August, um, actually around right about now. And she asked, she was a little bit concerned for the for the safety of the trip because she was bringing a very, very young daughter with her. And I told her, like, you know, just come. Hong Kong is beautiful. Uh, It's absolutely safe. You come here, you don't even know there's protest. That was July. Things have changed. At the airport a couple of days ago, we've seen first the the Hong Kong protesters move in mass in in a mass sitting in the airport. It caused the shutdown of the airport itself. Many flights were canceled. Initially, I believe that was a, a decision of the authority. But then we seen the protester actually physically block travelers from reaching their departure gate. Uh, you know, tempers were fl- flaring. Many people were frustrated trying to get home, and then it just went from bad to worse. On Tuesday, there were there were three mainland travelers that were detained by the protester at the Hong Kong airport. Um, one was quickly let go. The other two were detained for, for a long time, especially one person from mainland. He, for some reason, was suspected of being a cop. Um, so the the protesters held him down, zip tied him, beat him, poured water on him, interrogated him, searched his belongings, took out his IDs, uh, Google searched his name. They supposedly found a name match in one of the... Chinese mainland police, uh, uh, police station, and somehow that confirmed their suspicion that he's undercover police. They they believe he's there to be uh, an agent provocateur, and so they beat him continuously for four to five hours, uh, during which he collapsed twice. Paramedics tried to reach him, but were blocked by the uh, the walls of protesters and when the paramedics finally reached him um, just you know bring him to consciousness the team were blocked from leaving the airport by the protesters and eventually uh, you know all during this ordeal everything was streamed live right on all the major news sites and and even my Mainland cousin in mainland, he was able to watch this live. I did not ask him uh, which website he watched it live, but I do know CNN is actually not blocked in China and CNN is a live blog, so maybe that's where he he saw it. Um, And what he told me was uh, he was pretty emotional watching this uh, man being beaten and held for illegally for four to five hours and almost looked like the guy wasn't going to make it. And he told me, he said, you know, I don't understand a Chinese person traveling to an airport inside his own country, getting detained, beaten, tortured for hours without any protection. How could this happen that's pretty much the sentiment of many mainland Chinese who saw this happen live you know on their computer screen all right and if they didn't see it live you know by
1: now all the media outlets are showing it I think pretty much anyone who's following the news in the mainland you know is aware of of the the people who got retained like Fugo Hall specifically you know he's he's all over the internet now
0: and, uh, I mean, not only the people in the mainland, even the uh, CNN, pro- uh, CNN journalists who have been very pro-protesters uh, throughout the protest. Uh, he was just disgusted by what happened. I mean, in fact, he wrote a long thread, Twitter thread, detailing exactly what happened scene by scene. Uh, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. I, I know you, you saw that thread.
1: Yeah, so I did see that thread and I posted it because, you know, you could see his disillusionment with the protesters in real time. You know, there was no organization. It was basically just they're deciding what to do with these people that they had tied up um, based on who was shouting the loudest because there's no clear leader there. There was no, um, there were no uh, pro-democracy lawmakers there uh, to take control which is what he was you know calling for not that i think that and i think it turns out that there actually were two lawmakers there but you know they weren't in control they couldn't control the crowd at all and you know he was even saying that oh you know this is a protest movement that was famous for making way for for ambulances and stuff and now they won't let paramedics through you know he saw someone try to attack uh detained guy as he was being let out on a stretch or two so he he documented all of this. He seems very disappointed with what went on, um, and also another funny part of his thread that I think was um, important is that since he had a press vest on, press vest on, a lot of uh, protesters are coming up to him and trying to explain the situation. You know, say like, hey, well, you know, actually, we looked him up, and he is a cop. He's definitely a spy. Um, you know, uh, make sure you write that and telling him all these things that he said for sure they're coming from Telegram and that, you know, it's not that these people actually know that. So I know it was a very revealing threat. He, he wrote it up in an article. It's on CNN right now. But uh, it seems to be the consensus to me that a lot of people think that, you know, this is kind of a turning point in the protests. Um, that's what Feng Tianyu also said on Twitter as well, a right for tsai Foreign policy, and I want to get your take on that. Do you see like the events at the airport as like a meaningful turning point? In, uh, what's going on in Hong Kong?
0: Well, I think it's definitely a watershed moment on between the relationship between mainland and Hong Kong, and particularly ordinary mainland citizens and the Hong Kongers. Because I mean, it's one thing for people on the mainland to read about. The really ugly anti-mainland uh, sentiment nativism in Hong Kong, but it's another thing to visually see it live unfolding on your laptop. Uh, I mean, we, we humans are very visual animals, right, and like uh-huh. when we see it happen, it's, it, it, it hits a nerve. I mean, like, if many mainland Chinese were apathetic about the Hong Kong protests before, now it's personal. Right. I mean, they see they see a person of their own because this person is basically beaten because he's from mainland. He's he's Mandarin speaking mainlander. I mean, that's why he got singled out. Um, And even on Twitter, you know, when I posted those footage, I still get people justifying the violence like, but he's a cop. Uh, okay, so even if he is an off-duty cop, when did, when, did that, uh, <laughs> when did the protesters have the right to become judge, jury, and executioner? And, and you know, what happened to the rule of law? And, but people are so self-righteous, you know, even after this had happened, even after this ordeal that was shown live on television all across the world. There's still a significant amount of people on Twitter defending this action as saying, "Oh, he's an undercover cop, right? Like we have a right to do this." I mean, it's mind-boggling to me, um, and I think it's there's like there's there's several dynamics that's, that's at play here, um, and um, least least which is that. For, through, for the several months of protest, right, basically, most of the Western mainstream media or the Hong Kong local media have been very much on the side of the protesters. And, um, you know, that really kind of gives the protesters on the ground encouragement um, and, you know, made them more convinced of the righteousness of their cause Right. And, and like really, sometimes that's what comes through. Even I just read the Twitter comment. It's kind of a self-righteousness. It's like um, if you watch some of these um, the, the footage at the airport, even as those uh, foreign travelers were trying to return home and they're begging and pleading with a protester to let them through to get to the departure gate. And the protesters respond with, you know, why can't you just wait? You know, what is it you to, to lose few hours? You know, we have been waiting the, for this moment all, all our lives, you know, for the last uh, 28 years. You know, this is our moment. This is our revolution. We made the sacrifice to take our time to sit in the airport to make this uh, uh, to to make sure the, the government hear us, why can't you make a little personal sacrifice? And I was, it was mind boggling to me. I mean, like, this is, there's is a kind of self righteousness and the unawareness of what the other side, you know, the, the just common travelers might be feeling. These are just people trying to go through their lives. And we have also have a big shot reporter, Melissa Chan.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah
0: who was famously kicked out of China as a reporter for Al Jazeera a few years back and now she works for DW the the German government founded uh, media and she t- posted a tweet saying all these spoiled pampered westerners you know you need to check your privilege you just you are just being inconvenient just because your, your little inconvenience, what is that compared to these kids who are fighting for democracy and freedom, right? And and she even said that, you know, Hong Kong airport has the best food. And, you know, why don't you go to this, uh, go enjoy the best airport food <laughs> and, and order yourself some caviar and uh, open some champagne and, and enjoy your privileged life. And when I read that, I'm like, oh, my God. Does she even realize that she is part of the caveat-consuming jet-setting class? I mean, she does not even see the irony when she posts that. And and in and, and front of the footage, you can clearly tell a lot of the travelers are just ordinary people trying to reach home, right? I mean, but but what she said, I think, reflects. Kind of the mentality with the protest movement right now is that we are on the right side of the history whatever we do is correct you must conform why can't you conform to our view why can't you see our view of viewpoint as correct right and, and that kind of um a lot of the mainland observers um actually thought it reminded them of the cultural revolution <laughs> like said. The self-righteous red guards, right, and then it's also a bunch of youth who are so convinced that they're doing the right thing, they're doing the the real revolution, that entitle them to carry out all sort of atrocities in the name of revolution. Yeah, and
1: I'd say they also have gotten to that point because they've they've gotten away with a lot. Um, you know, they had you know basically tore apart the legislature before. And, you know, not really, there wasn't that much blowback there. Not many people got punished for that. So, you know, they, they're, you see the the shots of them shining like green lasers at, at police officers and, and government spokesmen too. And there's not like what one student got arrested because he had 10 of the laser pointers on his body. Like they, the more they can get away with, you know, the more that they feel that, Hey, you know, they're right. Obviously like the, the people support us. Right. Um and when they get pushback like in North Point where like you know some residents came out of public housing and, and like say, Hey, let's stop disrupting our neighborhood, like they called them triads, which I always thought was ridiculous. So I didn't want to ask you about this. Like you know, Chicago even used to have triad organizations. They're more or less now like a Chinese restaurant merchant association right now. Like they've all gone legit. There's not there's not like the triads that you think of in the movies anymore. So when these news reports say, oh, you know, it's triads that are attacking these protesters, both in like Yuanlang and in North Point. Like, how credible is that? Are, are these really triads, or are they just like you know, you know, local people who you know might be might be violent, might be rude? Like, that's that's reasonable. I can see all these actions being taken by like just you know normal people, non triads. So. You know, give me your perspective there. Like, what are the tribes in Hong Kong actually like? Do they resemble anything like we think about in the movies, or um, you know, is that just another thing that uh, the media has put out there?
0: Well, I mean, I monitor both sides of the Hong Kong Twitter, right? The, um, I mean, one of the things that the mainstream media failed to uh, tell us is really the Hong Kong is really divided about. The, the public opinion is really divided pretty evenly down the middle about the protests. There, There's a pro-protest uh-huh. side and there's an anti-protest, pro-police side. And that side often's voice gets drawn out in the in the mainstream media. And, and it was done in such a way, very disingenuously, um, because there was a BBC reporter, Steve uh, McDowell, who went to one of the Pro Beijing yeah. rally, and he interviewed um, these Hong Kong Caozhou or Tiaoqiu uh, Association, and also the Hong Kong Fujian Association. Right, they're just basically the local Hong Kongers whose family has hailed from Fujian or from Caozhou Tiao, Tiao Chu. and. Um, it's just no different from say like the Italian American association or the German American association we have h- in the United States. Um, and, and what's, and, and he called them mainlanders and on top of that, not only he called them mainlanders, he misread the sign for Cao. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Cao, the character Cao um, is, is kind of similar to the, Chao, the Cao of Cao Xian, which stands for Korea, and it's missing like a, a rad- it has a, a water radical next to it, right? So for a Chinese, a, a, a literate Chinese reader, they can totally tell the difference. But, you know, I give him a benefit of doubt, uh, you know, that, that he may misread it. But he was there, he was talking to these people, he called them Koreans that China has shipped from North East China, from Manchuria all the way down to Hong Kong to show support to the Chinese government and the police. And so many people call him out on it and eventually he admitted, oh, it was just a typo, was, I just misread it. But I said, no, it's not just me, you misread it. These people are locals, they're, they're not mainlanders, right? They're just, because Hong Kong uh-huh. is, a, is a city of immigrants. It has 7 million people, you know, like it, it's, Hong Kong is... Has always been a city of immigrants, I and mean, I mean, even a lot of the protesters. Sometimes you don't need to go like more than one generation to get back to the mainland roots, right? One of the um, very prominent uh, uh, protest lead, activist leader, Nathan Law, right, who along with Joshua Wong um, are we're seeing with <laughs> we're seeing together with. Uh, uh, U.S. Consulate Political Officer uh, Judy edu just recently that post has gone viral on social media, and and and, and Nathan Law right had a very um, had a very vocal anti-mainland nativism platform, and and he was uh-huh. against really dead set against mainland immigration, but he himself was born in Shenzhen, just across the border from Hong Kong. (laughs) I mean, it's just just the irony, right? And then, uh, so I was trying to explain to this BBC reporter, Stephen uh, McDowell, that like, look, these are Hong Kongers, they're locals, uh, you know, they're not what you think. They're not people from mainland. But he said, like, no, 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 no. I was there, you know, you are not there. I talked to them. They're mainlanders. So I'm like, oh, Okay. So I, I responded. I said, you talked to them, and yet you thought they were Koreans from Manchuria? <laughs> right after that, he blocked me. <laughs> and he,
1: he blocked me, too, because I pointed out that he kept on retweeting or, you know, liking this uh, Tommy Robinson all right, British guy's post on this thing. But, yeah, it's like North Point, especially, is a very heavily, like, Fujinese Yes. Uh, immigrant neighborhood, right? So, and and those people, you saw them march out, like uh, in support of or against the protest, I suppose. So it's not surprising that the protesters in that neighborhood would get a lot of pushback. But you know, they they got called triads, and in in the American imagination, Hong Kong is associated with triads somewhat. So you know, I, it was right. just taken at face value, and. I'm a little suspicious, I suppose.
0: I do want to, I do want to put a caveat. So I, like I said, I monitor both sides of the Hong Kong Twitter, um, the the pro and anti-protest side. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's one guy, there's a few guys I I, I follow who are local Hong Kongers who are pro-police, anti-protesters. And and one of them, Tim Yeap, he was actually tw- about the Yuanlong attack, the first white shirt attack at the Yuanlong um, uh, 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 subway station. He thinks they are triads, right? So I go with him right, because he, he has uh-huh. more local knowledge. What he said was actually, he said, oh, those protesters deserve to be beaten up. <laughs> but you, know, <laughs> you guys, but that shouldn't be done by you guys. You know, what the fuck are these triads? Members doing, you know, you have no business beating up these protesters, even though this protester really deserved to be beaten. Uh, I mean, that, that's what he said. So I, I, go with him on that on Yuanlong because I also saw some footage at Yuanlong, and these guys seem um, pretty organized,
1: a lot more organized, and they had stuff. But yeah. like in, in North Point, you know, these are people coming out of like their public housing blocks, right? So it's obviously lived there. Yeah, and it's definitely much more responsive than. In Yuanlong, which definitely seemed like you know, the white shirt people started that.
0: yeah I mean like also the circumstance was different because at Yuanlong the were white shirt went to the subway station to beat up the protesters whereas uh, in North Point this is when all these protesters went to the north Point went to the neighborhood right um, and then they clash with the, with the locals there and then and the locals actually retreated, back inside the North Point neighborhood and the protesters all followed. I saw the footage. They were shining lasers right into household, local household. And they were beating down the wind so, so some of them uh, locals escaped back inside the residential building. So these protesters were beating the breaking down the windows of these uh some residential buildings and 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 and, and you know Generally causing a ruckus until the riot police arrived, and then when the riot police arrived, the 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 North Point locals actually cheered. You know when the police finally arrived, but this is the point that I want to point out that you know Hong Kong police, you know the the reason things got this bad, Hong is is also because you know Hong Kong police is not um, does not have the manpower. Or the the training or equipment to handle this large scale protest, right? I mean, uh-huh. their response has been really haphazard, sometimes slow. Uh, for example, what happened at North Point is uh, one group of uh, I was watching this live feed from uh, journalists uh, by SCMP, uh, South China Morning Post, your favorite uh, hate read. Uh, <laughs> they uh, the 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 reporter said, okay it's very rare that locals cheer for the police but they did and then then the next group of riot police came and then they fired tear gas straight into the local crowd the, the, the people who were previously cheering the other group of cops who came right and that just kind of shows you the kind of like some disorganization among the Hong Kong police uh, I mean I mean that explains why things, Go out of control, and and because you know if you read, I read a lot of, I mean I'm extremely online, so I read a lot of Twitter comments on Face and Facebook, and a lot of people have pointed out repeatedly that um, comparatively speaking, you know, compared Hong Kong protests with the West. Uh, in the West, the protests are usually a lot more violent, and the police. Are way more violent and way more proactive, and they you the police usually nip the protests in the butts before you know things get out of hand. Whereas in Hong Kong, it, it's almost like a script now. Um, you know, the, the, the large body of protesters will show up, and maybe initially was peaceful, but at, at some point, uh, a small group of people will start making. Um, Making escalations and and they will maybe throwing bricks, throwing umbrellas, or um, rushing public buildings, as in as the case when they stormed the Hong Kong legislature, and um, the the action was purely designed to get a, a a response from the police, right? To get the police to fire tear gas, and then with all the cameras, all the press there, they will capture the moment when the police fire their tear gas, and and try to disperse a crowd, and you know that's when we get all these images that get shared all across social media and blasted on on, on mainstream media all across the world. Look at this police brutality, right? And I if the you know the police just have nothing better to do than just you know put their iron boots on these innocent students, and uh, this this. <sighs> For example, there was a, a, a video clip that was widely shared of um, this, this young protester got his face smashed into the pavement by the, by the anti-riot police. That, was, that had like thousands of retweets. And then I saw a post from another report, from another pro-protester reporter. I think it's, she's from QZ.com. And she says... What she, she, she was still co- coaching it in a term that's pro-protesters. She said, here, this is the more footage. And as apparently some cops were, were, you know, there were some plainclothes cops that started a fight with the protesters. But the protesters didn't know they were plainclothes cops. So they thought they were triads. So they start beating on, on these, what they thought were triad members. So what you saw was this group of protesters, they held this man down on the ground and beating him viciously with sticks, right? But in the mor- in the next moment, the table got turned on them when the anti riot police arrived. So one of the protesters who was beating the man on the ground previously got chased down and wrestled on the ground. And now it was his turn to be smashed, had his face smashed to the ba- pavement. But that was the moment when all the footage was captured. And share. Whereas the even from the report, the QZ pro protester reporter who had the like the more complete footage, that one only has like I don't know, like tens of tweets, like hundred, maybe like hundred retweets, versus like a thousand retweets of just boyish looking protester have his face smashed into the pavement, right? Because you know, image is powerful. Visual medium is powerful. Yeah, and there's
1: you know all these other like. Supposedly iconic protest images like, you know, there's this teenager sitting in front of the police or things like that and when, Every time you see
0: the old woman, there was a famous image of the old woman and, and all the big journal of uh, name journalists said Oh my god, this is an iconic image, you know, it has this old woman s- Standing in front of a row of riot police yelling at them. Mm-hmm. Right? They say, oh, she's so brave, right? But Later it emerges longer footage. This this old woman initially was yelling at all the protesters. And and she was just a local resident who got so tired of all these protests and disruption. She was telling both sides to leave, to leave her neighborhood. She she was in the footage she was telling um, the protesters to get out here, to get out, get out, get 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 the hell out of here. And then she also turned around to the police and says, you know, you guys should also get out of here. You know, what are you going to do? Shoot me? Guess which footage gets blasted around the world?
1: <laughs> they, they're very aware that they have a very sympathetic media. Um, and that's what leads to the things like you saw in the New York Times in June where they have published like a Hong Kong protesters uh, tactics, you know, get the police to to hit you or something like that. And that is, um, they know they'll get favorable coverage. So, you know, it's all about just causing the events to happen. You know, they're like, when you saw the, when they broke into legislators, like a million cameras around that one guy with the sledgehammer, right? Like the, the amount of cameras at the scene of each of these protests is surreal, right? Like, you know, for every, like, it seems like every two protesters you see, about like 20 people with cameras you know trying to capture the next iconic image so yeah
0: it's um also the i want to point out that this is there's so and so many people making allowances for the violence making excuses i mean like um when the protester first stormed the the legislature i see a lot of people on twitter say oh that's a um, you know, that's, that's that's obviously a police trap. And some people even say, oh, it must be a false flag, right? Like, maybe the police infiltrated the protest movement and the pro- pro- police provocateur went to the, you know, ache er- er- people on to, to go to storm the, the mm-hmm. um, legislature to make the protest movement look bad. And then next moment, you know, you have the <laughs> student protest leader themselves. They were taking selfies inside the uh a legislature and say yeah we did it we, we took over it. and look look we're smashing the the the, the hong kong uh government signs over here here we're we're taking down the hong kong uh, flag replacing it with a with a hong kong colonial flag with cl- union jack you know like they filmed this all this themselves then you know people fell silent you know you can't blame it on the police infiltrator anymore
1: Yeah. And it's, it's very clear that a lot of Western commentators have no idea what's going on. And there, there's a lot of projection going on. Um, But I want to pivot a little bit right now to, you know, what's, what's the next step? Because at the airport, uh, and this wasn't necessarily concurrent with the the stuff we saw uh, with the report, but they're handing out these lists of demands. um, You know, and Unfortunately, that piece of demand like, had that Alt-Right flag Pepe on it too. But the demands on it are basically the same as you know what the other protesters have been handing out too. And it's consistent with what the student leaders are saying. So, you know, I wanted to get your take on how realistic these demands are, and if you think fulfilling this these demands would even get like you know, the protesters to go away. So the first one is completely.
0: Can you list out those demands for for our audience? So the
1: first one is complete withdrawal of the extradition bills. The second one is retraction of the characterizations of the protest on 12th June as riots. Uh, the third one is withdraw criminal charges against all protesters. The next one is establishment of an independent investigation committee. And I assume that's into police. Um, and then five is implementation of dual universal suffrage in Kong. So those are the five demands, you know, it's it's on this Pepe paper, it's in like other media and things that the protesters have put out. So, you know, we can feel confident that this is representative of at least like a good portion of the protesters, like, oh, you know, these are the demands that we have. Um so uh
0: first of all, um is twelfth is twelfth of June is is are they referring to to the storming of the legislature?
1: I would have to check that, um, although that demand does remind me very much of like, you know, 1989, like, you know, re- retract that editorial in the newspaper,
0: right? <laughs> it's yes. very specific. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes. Um, similar. There's some, I mean, superficial similarities between 1989 Gamma Square student protests
1: and this one. Yeah, yeah, I would say they're superficial too. But so J- June 12th was just a protest against the second reading of the bill. Siege of Lyco. Let's see. Yeah, I don't think that was. Um, yeah, the, the police commissioner declared the clashes a riot. And, um, you know, there's some tear gas and there was, you know, mass bars.
0: Oh, I remember. It. I remember it now it's because um, that was the day that the Hong Kong legislature was supposed to mm-hmm. convene to discuss the extradition bill. And and so the Hong Kong protester went outside to besiege the building to prevent the physically prevent the, legisl- right. the, the legislator to to go in and hold the meeting, and and, and 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 they were successful. And but in the end, the police decided to clear the uh, clear the ground, and so the fire tear right. gas, and then there were clashes that happened. So uh, so and then the storming of legislature right. uh, actually happened a few days later. Okay, um, so I think mm-hmm. let's address one point at a time. Um, first is about the demand of withdrawing uh, extradition bill. I mean, the, and the whole protest started out mm-hmm. as anti-extradition bill, right? And um, for the people who are not familiar with the background of the extradition bill, the extradition bill, because Hong Kong and China, uh, despite being one country, um, they do not have extradition treaty. I mean, this is a kind of legacy from the British colonial days. And what that meant was, you know, like criminals on mainland, they can just run to Hong Kong um, and vice versa. You know, criminals from Hong Kong will go to mainland. And in fact, in, in I think it's late 1990s or early 2000s, there was a famous case in Hong Kong where, a bunch of triad, the kidnap a, 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 like a, a, a Hong Kong millionaire or billionaire. And then to escape police, they ran over across the border to mainland China. And eventually these, uh, you know, it was the mainland police that captured them on mainland. But because there was no formal channels uh, Uh (laughs) there's no extradition bill right there's no formal channels to extradite them so they were tried in mainland courts right and they were sentenced according to mainland laws so at that time the quote-unquote father of democracy in hong kong martin lee right who is the head of the pan democratic camp that was always at odds with beijing he 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 raised it as a human rights issue say oh you know these these criminals uh, even though they're criminals but they're Hong Kong citizens right like now we're subjecting them to like some the arbitrary uh, mainland laws what we should have done you know what we urge this Hong Kong government to do is to negotiate with the central government to have a treaty <laughs> so it would allow the criminals from Hong Kong be extradited back to Hong Kong where they will be ch- ch- tried under uh, fair uh, Hong Kong laws, right, where they get a, get a fair trial, and so so he he was uh, Martin Lee was the one that first proposed to have the extradition bill, right? But this was back in the day, so so that motion, you know, I think it was just more more for grandstanding, didn't pass, and then more recently there was a very grisly murder that happened. Uh, a Taiwanese guy. He killed his Hong Kong girlfriend very brutally, and and he, after the deed was done, he just ran to Hong Kong, uh, or ran back to Taiwan. And because there's no extradition bill agreement between Taiwan and Hong Kong, the guy is basically scot free. He's he's not like the the, the girl, the victim's parents. Um, you know, they really wanted to have the murder. To be brought to justice, you know, to be tried in Hong Kong, and so this was a big uh, event, big media event. So this is what kicked off the the drafting of the extradition bill, and then people were, you know, then that's when the anti extradition bill movement started. And I want to address one thing: is that the, uh, you know, the the actually the the extradition bill was very specific. It says who to extradite is, you know, it's depending on the Hong Kong judges. It's at the discretion of Hong Kong judges to decide to evaluate on case by case basis. right? But, it, but in the media, it was portrayed as, oh my God, this will be a way for mainland China to to you know to stretch its authoritarian shadow into Hong Kong they will be able to extradite political uh, dissenters and anyone they don't like back to mainland for you know trials and detention i mean it's like a really big scary uh, media campaign that was i think very successfully waging Hong Kong because there is, there is a persistent unease among the hong kongers about about mainland and and, and their their the, the Hong Kong's future role within the one country two system and 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 this this got whipped into the the protests. but which really goes back to the the, the 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 extradition bill was really only a trigger, right? The really reason the Hong Kongers are going on protest is because they have this you can you, you can even say uh, irrational or understandably uh, maybe rational, fear of mainland. Uh, they, they fear of being swallowed by, by mainland and become another... You hear this all the time from the protesters. We fear to become just another Chinese city like Shanghai or Shenzhen, right? Because it's so terrible to be just Shanghai or Shenzhen. And and uh, the, the the extradition bill was just kind of became like a rally cry but there were people um, you know there are also wealthy people in Hong Kong you know some members of oligarchs who back the anti-extradition bill because you know one of the <laughs> one of the target of the extradition bill are these cooks you know because it's for many decades these cooks from uh, from uh, mainland who commit financial crimes they will take their ill-gotten gains go to countries that doesn't have a extradition treaty with china they go to places like hong kong they go to places like canada right and they get uh, invest in the canadian investment scheme visa right to, to get get a get a green card and then next thing you know they're living very comfy lives in canada with their ill-gotten gains and this has been an issue forever. And of course, you know, the Canadian, there's a, every time Canada or U.S. try to have an extradition treaty with China, there's, you know, vo- opposing voices in the press, like, oh no, 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 we're gonna subject people to like human rights abuses if they get extradited back to mainland. I mean, it's it's the same thing in, in Hong Kong, it's there there's, I believe, my, this is my personal belief, I, in my opinion, there are members of the Hong Kong oligarchs and, and, and wealthy people who uh, are concerned that they themselves <laughs> could be extradited back to mainland for their financial misdealings and, and so they have an incentive to you know to, to push for this protest at least from behind and, and to get this bill revoked. And at this point, the bill is deader than dead. I mean, the the the, the with the Hong Kong government public announced that the bill has been suspended, right? They, they didn't say that you will be withdrawn, but I think it's just a face-saving measure for the Hong Kong uh, governor, mm-hmm. Carrie Lam, right? Because they really misjudged the public opinion on this one to cost, to have this, uh, give people opportunity to have this gigantic scale protest. And, and but I mean the, I just don't see the extradition bill coming back anytime. But people that that was not the point, right? That the the point was never about the anti extradition bill. So that that's my thoughts on the first their first demand. Um, you know, they they demand government to formally withdraw uh, extradition bill. But think about what happened, right? The day after the Hong Kong government announced that they were going to withdraw, um, they're going to suspend extradition bill, literally the day after the Hong Kong protesters stormed the legislative building, right, in a major act of escalation. The full interview has been released to my Patreon subscribers. To subscribe, search in Google the Silk and Steel podcast. The Patreon link should be the second one from the top. Or you can go to patreon.com in the search box type in Silk. The Silk and Steel podcast should be the first one in the result. I put in a lot of time and effort to put together this podcast. And I do ask you for your support. For $5 a month you will receive premium patron-only episodes like this that details culture, politics, history of China, its surrounding region, and China's relationship with the world. You will also receive pre-released regular episodes before they have been released to the general public, as well as newsletters detailing everything China Related topics. I hope you enjoy the show and I hope you subscribe. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.